This is the Jocko Underground Podcast. I'm sitting here with Echo Charles once again. Seem to be sitting with you on a fairly regular basis, which can be a little bit annoying, but it's all good. Challenging. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I understand. So I, I was, I was. look, every day for me, I'm thinking through things. And one thing I was thinking about the other day, I got, got into some situations, started handling some things, and I realized how much I relied and how much I see good leaders rely on being balanced, on not getting themselves into extreme situations or into attitudes where they're handling things in an extreme manner. Now, this is obviously nothing new. In fact, it's so nothing new that when I was on Tim Ferriss's podcast, the first time, which I had never been interviewed before, and he asked me what makes a good leader, and I said, number one, humility. I said, number two, someone that is balanced. So, again, the past like week, I've been in some scenarios either with clients and seeing how they're handling things, or myself and having to get through some situations, and it's... I realize that I'm not getting tripped up, like, like a good thing. I'm mm-hmm. being complimentary to myself. Same thing, I'm being complimentary to some other leaders that I work with. They don't get tripped up, they don't get sucked into problems, and that is because they are balanced. So, it's fresh in my mind because I, I, I would say it's not something that I'm, haven't been reminding people about enough. That's what I'm feeling. I haven't been yeah. reminding people enough about, listen, being balanced is is usually the best way to handle things, right? It's yeah. usually the best way to handle things. For some reason, human beings have a tendency to not do that. Yeah. For some reason, human beings have a tendency to pick a direction and go 1,000% in that direction. In fact, I had a name for this. Yeah. When I was in the SEAL teams and I was putting guys through some training and I would give them an adjustment, I'd be like, hey, you need to do a little bit more of this. Guess what they would do? Nine million percent in that direction. And I would call it or I'd say, hey, you need to be a little less aggressive or a little more aggressive. And And then they would do another iteration and they would go so hard the opposite way. And I'd say, hey, you guys just did, this is the term, I'd say, classic team guy overcorrection. Yeah. Meaning you say, hey, be, you know, you got to be a little more aggressive. They go out there and just get nuts. Yeah. Or you say, hey, you need to check yourself. Then they don't move. Yeah. You would see this all the time. So, so why am I talking about this? When you get in, when you get confronted, and that's a strong word, but when you get confronted with a new idea or an opposing idea, we as human beings have a tendency to have an extreme reaction to this new idea, an extreme reaction to this opposing idea, and it's not good. It's not good. It's not good to get emotional. It's not good to take the extreme opposite stance. We're doing this all the time, by the way, in America right now. You know, you have an opinion, I have opinion. I maybe don't agree with all of your opinions, so I take the hardest possible stance against your opinion. And I fully dig in on my opinion. It causes problems. So when somebody does present you with a new idea or an opposing idea, instead of taking, check yourself. And a good way to check yourself is be humble. Another way is like, okay, 
what is it that I like about Echo Charles's idea? He's presenting an idea I've not really heard it before or it's different. It's very different from what I want to do. Instead of thinking, how can I immediately smash his idea over the head with a baseball bat? I think, what part of his, what part of Echo's ideas are good? What part of his, you know, it's kind of different than mine. Okay, what part of it can I agree with? Where can I accept some of his ideas? When I go on the attack to you, if I say, well, actually, your idea is not going to work because of this, you are going to, my attack is going to cause your defenses to go up. It's going to cause you to get more aggressive and hostile with your idea, and it's going to separate us from being able to come to some kind of a conclusion. To be come to some kind of a resolution, I shouldn't say conclusion, for you and I be able to agree on something. And it stems from the fact that I am not thinking in a balanced way. So what are the good attributes for a leader or a human being to have? Be humble, yes, absolutely. And being humble will allow you, hopefully, to find some balance in your interactions with other people and find balance inside your own brain housing group. So my wife used to like help her her friends, family. You know how like, okay, you know how some people, they, they're they so into helping other people or taking care of things for other people. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if, if you're going to, I don't know, you're going to go on a trip or something. She'll jump in with all the hotel recommendations. She'll mm-hmm. even be this like, hey, I'll wife. call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how she used to be. Right. Um, and she'll be like, I'll even call the hotel. I know a guy there or something. And then she'll like go out of her way to do a bunch of stuff. Okay. So what would ha- what would start happening is it became, she basically takes all on her own, takes on a task for someone else, mm-hmm. a bunch of tasks. And then those tasks slowly, slowly become stressful. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, in this stressful mode, starts getting mad. And then on top of it, later on, the person, like, not only did they not ask for the help, it's like they come off as less appreciative than by her standard, you know? Yeah. She runs that risk. Yeah. And she's got a grudge, I'm yes. guessing. This yeah. guy, I don't mean to throw anything on, yeah. uh, I, on Sarah Charles, but, right. like, I'm thinking that maybe with that whole scenario that you just talked about, like, when you do something to help some, somebody and it turns out to be a much bigger task, if I'm like, hey, yeah. Echo, can you come? And uh, I remember we... we um, we used to train with this guy as a black belt, Greg. No, Craig. Craig. Freaking old school black belt from Fabio Santos. Mm. And he was an arborist. Do you know what that is? Something having to do with trees. Yeah, he's, he used to do tree stuff. Mm. And one day he, <laughs> I go, hey, bro, like I got this tree in my yard. Can you come help me get it out? And he's like, he's like, how big is it? You know, and I like held up my hands. I don't know, like maybe like three inches around or whatever. Maybe, mm. maybe four or five inches around, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, cool. You know, let me know when to come by. So I sent him a text or whatever we did back then, called him. Sure. He comes by and like the tree was way bigger and way more and whatever kind of like root system it had. As soon as he saw it, I saw a look in his face. (laughs) And he was, you know, he was going to do a bro deal, right? Yeah, yeah. And he did a bro deal for me, Mm -hmm. but I could see that it hurt. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and and both of us were out there with pickaxes at the end, you know, freaking digging the root system out. It was a serious day's labor. He thought he was going to come over with a chainsaw, you know, cut yeah. it down, whatever, pop, pop, you know, rip some roots out, be gone in 20 minutes. Yeah. He's there for four hours. I, I like he was Sarah Charles at that point. Yeah. And he I mean, he's a freaking awesome guy. So there was no no factor. Yeah. But that can build. 
<laughs> so, yeah. so, so how does this tie into balance? Is okay, my so talk about the overcorrection essentially. So, oh, so what you okay. do is, uh, or what? So, what would happen with her is it that was, it wasn't an incident; it was how she was. That's mm-hmm. how she is. Mm-hmm. And there's, I know a lot of people like that where they like sometimes they insert themselves too much into mm-hmm. your thing, you know. <laughs> And they mean well, but yeah. it's just it's part of their personality. But God, there's that, so that, many that side expression, effects. That expression is stings, doesn't it? A little bit. Means yeah. well. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that one stings. But yeah, but doing that to that degree anyway, will like there is some drawbacks for the other person and yourself for everybody. So you shouldn't right. do that to like that much of a degree, right? Um, nonetheless, she would do that from time to time, like pretty often too. So it got to the point where like I see it happening the whole time. I'm like. There's, it's a lose situation mm-hmm. where you're going to help. You're going to be stressful for doing it, for taking on the responsibility. And then they're not going to be appreciative in your mind because mm-hmm. not only do they not know, they didn't ask for it. And then you're going to be mad at them now. Well, something you did, you know. So every once in a while, I got to kind of break it to her a little bit, you know. But every time I would, she'd be like, fine, I just won't help anybody. Yeah, that's. And I'm like, what? Yeah. That's your classic team guy overcorrection classic right there. classic team guy overcorrection. Yeah, no. Although that's like a conscious sort of emotional reaction. Yes, emotional, yeah. The classic team guy overcorrection is, might be a little bit of that, but it's also, oh, I'm too far right, go hard left. Yeah, yeah. Or too far left, go hard right. That's, mm. that's what we need to watch out for. And, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, you were talking to me about, you were like, you get to see me in a lot of different situations where I'm, interacting with people and you get to see me sometimes where people are kind of bringing it or coming at me or whatever and you know just through echelon front you see me doing interviews you see me get interviews you 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 um you go through tons and tons of video of me doing whatever and and you, you know you were talking to me like, like it's seeing me get flustered or seeing me get trapped or seeing me get uh uh, you know, got see me get got. Yeah, and you you were saying like, hey, you know, I, I don't really see a lot of you getting emotional. I don't see a lot of you getting got. I don't see a lot of you getting caught and and flustered when something's happening. And part of that reason is because is because of this idea that we're talking about of being balanced. So when someone says something that's meant to off balance me. Mm-hmm. I know that it's going to be very easy. If I feel off balance, it's very easy for me to overcorrect in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so this is the this is really the meat of what I wanted to bring up today is that point that when someone comes at you and you overcorrect, it doesn't help solve the problem. Yeah. And it doesn't make you come across in a good way. It doesn't it doesn't help you solve the problem. It doesn't come across in a good way. And so it's a problem. So when you get pushed off balance, which is going to happen, somebody's gonna ask a question, somebody's gonna say something to you, somebody's gonna put you on the spot. It's real easy to overcorrect. So instead of overcorrecting, just take a step, just just regain your balance a little bit and put yourself right back in the middle. They pushed you off to the right, come right. Don't go far left, just go to the back yeah. to the middle. You don't need to, by the way, I don't, I might think if Echo comes at me with, I don't even like your plan. It, it may seem like in order to achieve balance, that what I need to do, you pushed me off 
to the right, I need to push you back to the left in order to, to maintain my balance, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. If you say, I don't even like, I, I don't like your plan. If you say that to me and I say, you couldn't come up with a better plan in a million years. That's now, it should be like, you said something negative, I'm saying something negative, now we're balanced, but yeah. it's not true, mm. not true. What I should do, when you push me off balance of, I don't like your plan, what I should do is I should say, oh, do you got some feedback? What is it that you don't like about it? And I'm, I'm right there, I'm right in the middle, I'm right where I should be. And you know who's off balance now? You, you're now off balance. <laughs> And but you don't have to push me back. You realize that you're off balance, so you try and center yourself up, and that's how we can reach a resolution. So keep that in mind. This is a very important thing that will help you in so many aspects of your life. When you get pushed off balance, don't overcorrect. Go back to center. Back to center. With that, what do we got? Some Q and A activities. Yes, sir. First question, Jocko. I'm on the path. At a family get together. Hold on, you got to restate that. You just kind of blew through that. He says, Jocko, I'm on the path. Mm-hmm. You like Jocko, I'm on the path. This is a, this is the this is the uh, this is the crux of the question. Is this dude saying I'm oh, yeah. on the path? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I don't know if it's the crux of the question, but it's the crux of the question. Wait, what does crux mean? It's the most important part of this question. Uh, oh yeah, because so he's like not the, on the path. The question literally doesn't exist. Yes, you're right. You're yes, right, you're right. You're right. Check. Oh wait. But or it could be looked looked at as it's a given. You see what I'm saying? Like it's not necessarily given for everybody. Okay, got you. You are correct. <laughs> Jocko, I'm on the path. Is that cool? Yep. At a family get together, however, I heard that some said I was cold. I do not want this. I care deeply about my family and the people around me, and I'm letting my mindset and focus deride from my path into my personal life. How do you be the best you can be with your family when the focus is real? Um, yeah, cool. You got to compartmentalize things, right? If you can't compartmentalize the things in your life, the things in your life that are meant for you are going to bleed over onto other people and there's going to be collateral damage, which is what's going on right here. If you have to wake up early in the morning, you have to impose discipline on yourself and you get done with your early morning workout and you come downstairs and the you know the the kitchen's dirty and you decide that someone needs to get this done and that was what the kids were supposed to do and you decide you're going to go off the handle because of this what you're doing is you're letting your personal discipline get out of its system and go and start to s- smash into other people which which is not good. So that's number one part. Number two part, you could be too detached, right? Where like, mm-hmm. uh, I felt that way from time to time, you know, where like I'm at some freaking birthday party and I'm, meanwhile, there's, we're training platoon to go to Afghanistan or Iraq mm-hmm. and I'm coming home for the weekend and I'm at a birthday party for a little kid and I'm like, this who freaking cares? Like, this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> dang, that's wrong. Dang, that's yeah. wrong. Yeah. By the way, I'm talking about my kids, right? Yes. <laughs> but you got to say, okay, that is what you're doing is you are getting target fixation, right? Yes. Which is target fixation means I'm only focused on one thing and prioritize and execute, right? We say prioritize and execute, prioritize and execute, prioritize. What, what is it called when prioritize and execute is out of balance? It's called 
target fixation. It means I'm only focused on one thing and I'm ignoring all these other possibilities. So if you, if you prioritize and execute too much, it's bad. That means I'm only looking at one target and I don't see that my flank is getting attacked and I get killed. So we don't wanna do that. We wanna compartmentalize the areas in our life that need to be on the path. We wanna keep that path and keep that mindset for those areas that need to be on the path. You don't want to impose the path on other people. Now this is where it takes a little bit more thought because if I'm looking at my wife, my brother, my dad, my uncle, whatever, and I think, well, they'd be way better off if they were on the path, right? They'd be way better off if they were on the path. I should impose the path on them. Well, what do we know about imposing and being direct and attacking? What we know about those things is not good. So the best way to get someone on the path is not by imposing the path on them, but by being indirect, by allowing them to see, by seeing the flexibility, by seeing the open mind that you have, by understanding what their problems is, by figuring out what's going on in their life. Not by saying, you know, you need more discipline. Go say that to someone, see how, see, see what their response is. Oh, thank you, I appreciate it. No, they're gonna say, what are you talking about? I got three kids and I got a job. I, you don't talk to me about you. It's a luxury. You get to get up early. Like they're actually right. They're not wrong. Mm-hmm. They're right. You're looking at your wife like you need more discipline. <laughs> no, what you need to do is understand their perspective better. So those are some things to think about. Don't get target fixation. Don't allow don't allow your discipline that is meant for you to start causing collateral damage because it's hitting other people and don't try to impose the path on people and man, be a good dad, husband, son, brother, spouse, whatever the case may be. Make that what you focus on when you're in those situations. Being a highly disciplined person with a family that's falling apart you get no credit from me, right? You get no credit from me. Being a highly disciplined person whose finances are a complete disaster, you get no credit from me. Being a highly disciplined person at work, but your health is falling apart, you get no credit from me. We have to evenly distribute the discipline and the path so that we're not getting target fixated on whatever part Whatever part you happen to enjoy at that time, because let's face it, that's what we focus on, right? Yeah. Like, I'm gonna get really good at jujitsu. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm gonna get really good shape, or I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get work really hard. I'm gonna get a promoted promotion. All those things, and we forget about the other things. It's gonna be a problem. Oh yeah, especially. And you you made this really clear, which was actually this was good news to me, by the way. You know how, like. If we'll joke around about how I like pounded, you know, a half a bag of popcorn or something mm-hmm. with my daughter or whatever, mm-hmm. and you'll be like, no, you're working on your relationship, mm-hmm. right? You say that, right? As kind of a joke, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the thing is, that's true. True. You don't have to eat popcorn or whatever, caramel popcorn. Right. Well, you, may you, be. you may have heard the other day at my daughter's uh, birthday, we yes. got the illegal yes. at Raglan in Ocean Beach. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. Yeah. Building the relationship, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, you know, there's a reason you go out to dinner with your friends, you know, all this stuff. It's like it is a relationship building situation. Nonetheless, building a relationship is part of the path. Mm-hmm. The relationships that are important to you is part of the path. 
And how do you stay disciplined in your relationship? So for, you know, there's a there's a bunch of different ways and it's going to be different for different people. But I know that typically it can be like, hey, maybe not cultivating relationships with toxic people. Right. That's one you hear all the time. I, th- I think that that's true. But the, the one the relationship building or and or maintenance with the people you do care about who are not toxic family, mm-hmm. wife, husband, kids, brothers, sisters, if you're at a family barbecue them i'll say that Mm -hmm. especially if you're saying that you don't want them to say that you're cold so cold that's and here's i know this because i encountered this not to a significant degree but enough to for me to like stop and think um where to me okay so at night you know at night a typical scenario might be be you know you send the kids to bed then maybe you watch a tv show uh with your wife or whatever before you guys go to bed so I would never want to do that. I'd be like, that's a waste of time watching TV. And I have like stuff that I should be working on. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. You know, and in my mind, that was true. So I just never, never did. Right. And then, but if there was a show, Y5O, oh, something like this, then I would all of a sudden have time to, yeah. you know, all of a sudden uh, that, that work and that stuff I got to work on, I'm on the path, I'm disciplined yeah. in my work, blah, blah, blah. That becomes less, less important just for that moment, you know? So um, I remember one time I was sitting down with my wife and she was, and she had one of those real housewives of mm. wherever on. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, like, eh, I can't sit I here and watch this. Do. I got work to do kind of a thing. And she's like, come on. Oh, come on. You know, like uh. I, it was fun with you here. Right. And I'm like that. Eh. But in my head, easily, easily justifiable. I can't sit here and watch this or whatever. Mm. But that's the thing. It's not about that show. She expressed to me in a nice way, too, by the way, because it's not always going to be nice in a nice way that she wanted me there like with her. You know, she's with the kids all day or doing whatever she's doing all day. I don't know what, but Mm. she's doing that. And I'm working (laughs) (laughs) or doing my thing. I'm totally just joking, obviously. But um, and then now we get to kind of hang out, watch some dumb stuff on TV, crack some jokes. I don't know. Something relationship building. I'll tell you that. (laughs) You know, I'm laughing right now. Oh, I can imagine, but yeah, I tell me. I think my wife may have tried some of this scenario with me. Mm-hmm. And what I did was start to ridicule the TV that's until a, I never got asked to watch any yeah. of that crap again. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> that's a common mistake as well because I've, been, I've yeah. been down that road too. Not good for relationship building, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So um, especially, yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. But so as far as disciplined in in relationship building, it's essentially when I kind of dug a little bit deeper, I was like, you know what? I need to basically be more selfless in that way in mm. the relationship where, sure, you're at a barbecue and you're thinking about like how you shouldn't drink any of the alcohol because you got to work out the next day right. and the project that you're freaking focused on or, or all the other things that the quote unquote path is, is keeping you mm-hmm. focused on. Um, and essentially, you had let this idea in your mind that, like, all this recreational stuff, yeah. like, is unimportant. The thing is, that is part of the path, too, though. True. True. So, and yeah, I, I know that I know that you take that recreational part of the path. It's important. very yeah. important. <laughs> very important. <laughs> Whatever. You, you <laughs> marginalize that part. Well, no, 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 you don't, though. 
no, 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 you don't. Actually, I'm talking trash or whatever, but it seems like you're someone who might marginalize, but you in social situations, I mean, not to blow smoke, but you're you're pretty money. Yeah, well, I know what you're talking about, too, like when we have the fams Yeah, together. the kids are around. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen enough for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I should be doing that more. Yeah, so at the barbecue, to me, Man, that's just yet another thing. That's the same thing as a workout. Yeah. You got to commit to that thing. You got to be, you know, you got to be listening, yep. laughing at jokes, uh, yep. the kid doing cartwheel for the 1,000th time that you're yep. unimpressed. But now you've seen it. They're 13 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that impressive. You know, Bruh, just say that, you know, you got to be into that kind of stuff. At the very least, play that role. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think you're going to in a little extreme here where you're like, what you're basically saying right now is you should pretend to be impressed. <laughs> Which is funny because you know what? As you know me, I won't pretend to be impressed by anything, especially with kids, but I'll have fun with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I was more speaking about like what I literally do, pretend I'm more impressed than I really am sometimes. But it more than anything, it's less about like that particular uh, encounter with that particular kid. It's more about me functioning in the world. All I'm saying is what you just said might set it up for someone to think, oh, he's what he's saying is just be fake. And that's not what you're saying. That's that's the critical part. Yeah, you're correct. You're not saying like smile and laugh because you said like laugh at jokes you're not saying like that joke wasn't funny but i'm gonna laugh at it and pretend i'm no yeah get your mind in the game so that yeah. you're having fun and can hang out and be with your be with the people that yeah. are in your life that's yeah. what you're saying you're Exa- not saying you have to fake it yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly right and that's that the, that's the perfect way to say it so like Thank consider you. this <laughs> as far as how i'm trying to think it but the Okay, so you know how like a small, you ever heard the expression where someone's like, I don't really like small talk, you know, yeah, it's kind yeah, of like yeah. a waste of time or whatever. Um, a, what I found out in my experience anyway is the reason I don't like small talk just unilaterally across the board, just don't like small or say that, should I say, is because I don't care about the situation. I, I have better things to think mm. about in my mind. It's not true, by the way, because like if you encounter someone like it's in your best interest to be like respectful, Cordial, nice, respectful nice, you know, build the whole building relationship thing with that person and with the people around you who might be listening or whatever. If that's your wife's friend, mm-hmm. it, it's a good thing for you and your wife's relationship for you to be respectful and nice and charming or whatever you want to be to this friend, as opposed to cold. I don't like small talk. Um, don't show up, you know, like that kind of stuff. You yeah. know? So anyway, yeah. The, so the point is, I'm speaking from experience. The reason you're cold is you might not be regarding as that the relationship part of it as part of your path. That's what I think. But it is, and you should get on it. It should be, I think. Sure. Yeah. Next question. Next question. Been trying to get my wife to join jujitsu, join my jujitsu gym, but she's hesitant and uncomfortable because of the large male majority. How do I ease her concerns and persuade her to join? Thank you for your service and love the podcast. Um, I would say for a while. First of all, get some mats at home, right? Start showing some moves, start getting some comfort level there. Uh, you can you can have her come in and be like, talk to the instructor and say, hey, listen, um, my wife's just gonna train with me for a while. We're gonna learn some moves and she's probably not gonna roll, but I just want, you know, and just kind of ease her into it like that. I, I know that when my middle daughter started wrestling in high school, she was the only girl on the team. And, you know, it's, it's a whole nother, a whole nother angle of oddness when you're a 13 year old girl and you're in a wrestling room with 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 year old boys, right? It's a, just a different scenario. The The boys are freaking 
sweaty, greasy, young, testosterone-filled savages, and you're a girl. So what, what we did in my family is my son, who was two years younger but very big, would go and train with her. And he would train with the other boys too, but she she had a training partner. And then after a little while, she got used to some of the other boys that were more horse size and were nice. And then she started training with, you know, a more a bigger group. But that was the because this is what he's talking to her. How can I ease her concerns and persuade her to join? Start her in a situation where she's comfortable. My daughter, who had been doing jujitsu forever and was definitely comfortable grappling, but in a random room full of wrestling guys. She's a freshman. I mean, there's, you know, what? There's only 10 other of the freshmen. She doesn't really know. It's just a week. It just was like what what this is. Un, she was uncomfortable. Yeah. My son going in there made her more comfortable, and eventually she got comfortable with the whole scenario. And by, you know, by her freaking senior year of wrestling, she didn't care who she was wrestling. Hmm. She was going to get some. So that's maybe a good way to start easing the situation. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, to have a little partner to go in. Yeah, good that's, training that's partner. Solid, and and just like if you can get them little mats at home, right? Mm-hmm. Get some mats at home. You start showing some moves. They start getting interested. Hopefully, right? Not everyone's interested in jujitsu. Strangely and oddly and horribly enough. I know it's crazy. Yeah, but that seems like a good way to do it. Yep. Next question: Do you have advice on how to stay detached and focused when working? on cognitively demanding tasks when tired. I'm a graduate student. The amount of work I have to keep up with keep up with forces me to regularly study or write when tired. I do my best to sleep and eat well and I exercise daily. I try to prioritize my hardest work for when I have the most energy during the day. I'm disciplined in getting myself to work when I need to, but staying focused and detached when I'm tired is often a struggle for me. Any advice? Yeah, great question. This is actually I'm lucky because I've experienced a lot of this in my in my day. Not only from being in the military, there's times where you're really tired and you got administrative work to do. Going to college when I had kids and I'm you know trying to handle the kids and help out and be present for the kids. Really present. Uh, and and yet having I was an English major and so I was constantly reading and writing. I'm a slow reader also. I read just a little bit faster than I talk, which is a very slow pace to read at. And then once I was out of the military and I was writing books and you know reading books all the time, preparing for po- writing book, reading book, all at the same time writing for a podcast. So this is like what I do. Basically, this is what I do. Same thing. And so what, do you, what are some advice I, I have here? Um, first of all, I would say one of the main things that I would say is look, let me preemptively say this. If you're if you're going, go. So if your mind is good and you're fresh, don't stop, keep going. Let 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 that fuel burn as long as you can, as long as it goes. But then when it starts to taper and you start to feel tired, uh, then it's a good time to do something physical. You know, a lot of times when I have an actual deadline, like everyone knows I like to wake up early in the morning and work out. When I have something that's due. I will wake up in the morning and write, read, prepare, Mm. right? So that'll be the first thing I do. Get up and immediately start writing, start reading, start preparing for a podcast because I know I have to get it done and I know that that's a valuable time because after an hour, hour and a half of that, I don't wanna do it anymore and guess what it's time to do? Go work out. So I get the mental taxation 
Then I get, then I, I right when I'm wanting to tap out, boom, I can go get some physical. Now, guess what? Hour and a half after that, now I'm tapped out physically. Cool, I can jump back into the mental game. So that's a good procedure is what can you do to break up some of those monotonous stretches? I like getting, like like he's writing about, I like getting the, the tough stuff done right in the morning. Well, sometimes, actually a lot of times, the writing, the reading, the preparation, the mental work is more taxing than the physical work. Now you gotta be careful with that because I, I had a scenario unfold, it was yesterday, yeah, where I held off on my workout mm-hmm. a little bit and I ended up not being able to work out until eight o'clock at night. Cause one, it's the whole reason why I like to work out early in the morning. Yeah. But I can still get up at four or 4.30 and get an hour and a half worth of, worth of brain work in and still get down and get into the gym quick enough that still no one's bothered me. So so you can make that happen. So there's some suggestions. Here's another suggestion. Uh, When you need to take a break, take a highly disciplined break. So be like, all right, I'm gonna take 15 minutes. Mm. And that seems like a long break, and it is a long break, but that's what you're taking a purposeful break. Mm -hmm. Take 20 minutes. Be like, okay, you know what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna go and Get your eyes away from doing anything, right? Here's a here's a here's a shit move. I'm reading a book. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of the book. I'm gonna take a break and look at uh, my phone for 20 minutes. Yeah. Bad move. <laughs> go outside and shoot some shoot shoot your bow. You know, go outside and uh, do some pull ups. Go for a walk around the block. Go listen to some. Go go put your headphones on and go walk and listen to something. Go listen to a podcast that you wanna to listen to, go listen to an audio book. So you're resting your eyes, you're resting your brain, you're in a different mode. So, so, but do it for a certain amount of time and then be like, cool, when my alarm goes off, I'm back in the game. Mm-hmm. There's another thing. And here's the last, and this perhaps is the, might be the best, might, well, all these together I think combined will get you in a good spot. Um, alternate, shorter bursts of various projects. Mm-hmm. So I can even do this with books where I'm re- I've got three books to read for the podcast. I don't want I'm reading one and I'm starting to think my mind starting my my focus is starting to fade. Mm-hmm. Cool. Bookmark in next book. Mm-hmm. Different book, different situation, different scenario, different characters. Now what you have to be careful of is every time you take a break from something it takes time for you to mentally redeploy your brain for that activity. Yeah, the momentum, right? Right, so, but as long as you don't, this is why I say write every day, because when I'm writing a book, I write a thousand words a day. If I take, if I'm writing a book, I write today, I get to my last sentence, cool, I'm at my thousand words. Next day when I, it's been 22 hours, 21 hours, 23 hours, I'm about to write again, as soon as I open up my document, I know where I'm at. I don't need to reread what I wrote. Yeah. If I wait one day, I'm probably gonna have to reread a little bit. If I wait two days, I gotta reread a bunch of stuff yeah. because there's a break in the cognitive chain. So you don't wanna break that cognitive chain. But adding a new topic into the cognitive chain can be good as long as you don't let it break the other one and leave it too long. So here's, what, here's something I'll do. I'm, I'm prepping for a podcast, I'm writing a book, and I'm reading a book for the podcast. Mm. I might read the book for 48 minutes, and I'm fading, like this is boring, cool. I'm going to read 
Wait, did I say read? Oh no, so now I faded on reading. Cool, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write and start writing. Boom, maybe take a 10 minute break, start writing. Get writing for a little while. Now I'm like, God, this is so, I'm sick of writing. All right, cool. You know what I'm gonna do? Prep for the podcast. Each one of those mental tasks is a little bit different. And I can tell you, like, here's the difference. Um, having to create a podcast that's Q&A, mm-hmm. it doesn't take a lot of creativity because the question is there, you answer the question. I don't, cre- I don't create the idea. The idea is presented to right. me. Right, yeah. To, to think of the idea, that's a challenge. Yeah. So, I, I, but it's too different. It's like doing tries. It's like doing tricep and then doing bicep. It's, you're not just doing bicep, bicep. Mm-hmm. You're doing bicep, which is, hey, an idea is getting presented to me through a question and I'm answering it. Mm-hmm. That's one muscle group of your brain. The other muscle group is like, wait a second, I need to create something that's a different muscle group. And I, it's fresh though. And by the way, when I'm trying to create something after an hour, I can go back to my bicep workout, which is answering questions. And it's pretty easy to do because I haven't exercised that part of my brain. So if I got to research something, like here's, here's something that's junk. Sometimes you got to research something and that sounds really technical, but what does that really mean? It means I'm Googling and looking for you know, some battle and I wanna read a little bit more about it to get some context. That's, mm-hmm. that's quote research. I know it sounds really cool, it's actually Googling, mm-hmm. but it's the lowest mental tax, right? Mm-hmm. Sit there and like I'll save that one for the last thing I'm gonna do mm-hmm. because, oh yeah, you know, I wanna find a little bit more about this battle that took place in the Korean War because I'm reading a book about this particular battle, but I wanna get some context about it. So I'm gonna read a little bit of the book. I'm gonna write a totally different book. Then I'm gonna do some research, meaning I'm gonna Google and study some documents about that particular battle because that's the lowest draw on my brain power. Mm. All this makes sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, fully. I like the the rest uh, part of it, like the schedule. Yeah, big shocker. <laughs> See, I knew you were going to talk trash right now. Uh, no, but you introduced this, that idea where you're like the five or six minute mm-hmm. nap or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it's intentional, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to rest for this reason, for this exact amount of time, rather than, you know, the traditional way, mm-hmm. my traditional way <laughs> of, I'm just going to sort of take a break right now. Take a break until I feel like getting back at it, which is a bad move. Exactly right. And, you know, there's no telling or whatever. And then also when like when you said the nap thing, it's like you're I wasn't taking a break, an open ended, open optioned break anymore. Mm hmm. Now I'm like, hey, I'm going to take this six-minute nap straight up. Yep. If I start looking at my phone, that's no nap. That's yeah, way less yeah, nap. Yeah. So the phone has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And then I set, like, the alarm or whatever just in case I actually do fall fully asleep or whatever. But it's weird how your brain – I don't know if everyone's like this. I'm sure it's some. It's a thing. But your brain kind of anticipates just that six minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you fall asleep then your sleep gets interrupted after six minutes and you're all weird. It's like your brain goes, okay, we're straight up resting. And then yep. when the five and a half, six minutes comes around, your brain's like, okay, we're yep, good. We're kind of go. a thing, you know? That's what it felt like anyway. But yeah, it's that, like that power nap that I wrote about in Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual, that's yeah. a real thing. It's been tested by me and now a bunch of other people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by I've me done too. It over the years. I'm yeah, it's you. freaking yeah. good. Good to go. Oh, yeah. Sleep for eight minutes. 
Yep, it's like intended intention rather than again that open ended one. It's mm-hmm. like if you try to say, "Let me just take a nap because I just feel tired," bro, you might just end up going to bed for the day, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing, or then you'd woke up later all weird and in the middle of the night or something like that. Straight yeah. up, liked it. The only other thing I'd say is this, man. Sometimes you got to go team guy mode. <laughs> so I said to my wife, like we're driving and it's three o'clock in the morning or whatever, midnight. And she'll like kind of look at me and I'm driving. I've been driving for nine hours. Yeah. She goes, are you okay? I'm, like, I'm in team guy mode. Like I'm just <laughs> doing this. So by the way, don't, not recommended for, uh, for uh, what is it? Driving, you know, don't drive tired. Um, yeah. But sometimes you gotta, you gotta push through it. You gotta be like, all right, cool. I need to, I need to do this. That's a real thing too. Yep. Even like for us non-team guys or whatever, like team guy mode, like it's essentially what my brother would call it. Like you just got to battle through yeah, or yeah. you got to power through. Power through it. Yep. Yeah. So battle through is almost like you're on the defense the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to suck it up. Power. We're on Power offense. through. It's like, yeah, man, you got to freaking kind of kind of crush the yep. whole deal. Here's the thing. I'm pretty sure this guy who's a graduate student kind of knows that. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I try to give him some other options. But we do have to have sort of the root thing that occasionally it's like, hey, you know what you got to do? You got to freaking suck it up and just power through it. Yeah. We don't want that. We want you to have some tools to help you power through it, yeah. which is why I give those other options. All right. Okay. Next, next question. Next question. Hi, Jocko. I have a question regarding a co- co-worker who is constantly trying to take ownership of everything everyone else is responsible for. Check. She proposes, quote unquote, solutions to problems that don't exist. Check. Said solutions actually make things more complicated and inefficient in other coworkers' areas of specialty. Check. These ideas are being proposed to the boss under the guise of, quote unquote, teamwork and, quote unquote, cross-training and implemented without getting input from those responsible for their, the area being affected. It's like she goes into someone else's house, makes a big mess, then leaves them to clean up after her. And after the mess is cleaned up, she takes credit for it no longer being a mess. <laughs> I'm not sure how to remedy this situation. Where where are the boundaries with extreme ownership and how do you go about reestablishing them? If one person stakes claim to everything, what is left for other teammates to take ownership over? Yep, so this is a, a warning that I often give about taking, can you take too much ownership? Yes, you can, and that's apparently what's happening here. You got someone on the team that's taking too much ownership, and that means I can't take ownership of anything. So how are we gonna handle this? How do we get her to stand down? Um, a couple things. A couple things you could do is ask earnest questions, right? Ask earnest questions like, hey, Michelle. Is that a good name? Sure. Okay, hey, Michelle. Can you can you explain this problem to me again? Because he says the quote unquote problems that don't exist. <coughs> Helping she helps people solve problems that don't actually exist. You know, asking a question and and this isn't a this isn't a deceitful move. This isn't like I'm pretending to ask her question. This is an earnest question. Mm. Hey, Michelle, c- can you explain this problem to me again? Because I'm. I'm having trouble actually seeing what the problem is and, and how this solution's gonna work out. Can you can you just talk me through this? This is an earnest question. Mm. It's an earnest question. Um hey, you know, Michelle, I'm I'm looking at the 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 solution that you presented here and I I'm just can you review with me how this ends up? Because it seems like there might be some secondary effects that I just want to make sure I know how to handle. Can you help me with that? So we're asking questions. The purpose of asking earnest questions is to reveal the truth. 
hopefully the truth might get revealed to you. Like she's like explains the problem and all of a sudden you realize it's a real problem and she's actually correct and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like that's the situation. Cool. If that's not the truth, then hopefully the truth gets revealed to her by asking her some earnest questions and she starts to see, oh, you know what, I'm not quite, my, my quote solution isn't quite what I thought it was. And she says, you know what, actually I wanna do it a different way. And mm-hmm. she starts to back off or she starts to change her mind. So asking real earnest questions, and again, you gotta have tact with the do, when you do this. You gotta, you know, you gotta help her ego a little bit. Um, you know, maybe say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for not understanding. I know you got a lot going on since you're such a dynamic thinker. And, uh, I'm, I always I always go too far when I play my <laughs> ego up mode, but that type of thing, right? Yeah. So you can try that. You can also you can also help her with her ego a little bit and ego her up a little bit. By the way, that's a that's a an interrogation term. Ego up. It's ego up or ego down. Mm-hmm. You can you can play those games when you're when you're uh, interrogating someone. You can also ego up a little bit here by saying, you know, hey Michelle, you know, you got do you mind you you got this plan and it's a good plan. Do you mind if I take a shot at running it? Do you mind if I take a yeah, you got a lot of stuff going on and, and I mean it's your plan and I know you're gonna get the credit and everything, but I just do you mind if I help with the implementation? And then you can mitigate some of the plan, right? You can go like, hey, here's oh yeah, here's what she wants done, here's how we're gonna do it, and you can mitigate the impact of some of that. Um and by the way, all this time what we're trying to do is build a good relationship with Michelle, because Mich- the the more influence Michelle has over us, the more influence we will have over her. The more we listen to Michelle, we, we know Michelle says, here's a solution, and you go, that solution doesn't even make sense, it's not even a problem. Yeah. She's mad at you already. Oh, yeah. if, you say, if she says, hey, I got a solution for the problem, and you say, oh, I like, to, oh, I like that's a good thing, and you start looking for the good points that maybe there's some sense to it, you say, ah, that makes sense. Hey, let's execute that. Maybe we make this little adjustment, and you start to mitigate the mitigate the quote solution. Mm. So that's good. By the way, give her the credit. You know, it's a little complaint in here about wanting credit. Cool, I love it whenever when someone else wants credit. Mm. Even if it's cleaning up a mess they made, I want them to get the credit, cool. I'm fine with that. So, so here's another one of how do we reestablish ownership, which is the other question. How do we, oh, is that the, yeah, how do we reestablish um, boundaries or ownership? I think a good way to do that is actually to take ownership, right? Take ownership by saying, hey, Michelle, you know what? I, I apologize, but I've done a bad job of handling this project, this responsibility, whatever, and it looks like a bunch of it's, you, it's you've had to do it, mm-hmm. and that's just wrong. I'm sorry. Here's some things I'm doing, so I'm gonna get this back off your plate so you can, I know you got a lot of more important things to focus on. You need to be focused on my little, you know, on this little side project. I mean, you. You're more of a strategic thinker, obviously. <laughs> so what can you do to, to take ownership of the situation? Because by the way, you did. You did give it up. So how do we take ownership back? You take ownership of the fact that you haven't been doing a good job, that you've let this responsibility get away from you, that she's doing work that she shouldn't be doing. It's roles and responsibilities. Hey, the roles and responsibilities just aren't clear right now. And I mean, if you look at the way we're chartered, I'm supposed to be doing this, or Fred's supposed to have this, and right now it looks like you're you're taking it, and everyone's appreciative that you took it, but it's too much, you know, and you don't, you know, you shouldn't have to focus on these kind of lower level tasks and blah, blah, blah. You see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, the last thing is like we worry that, you know, she's taking credit for the mess that she made for when other people clean it up. Mm-hmm. One thing that's just nice to kind of ease your, 
mind a little bit. Everyone sees this stuff. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not like the boss is like doesn't realize that Michelle's doing this. It might take them a little while. At first, they might think, "Oh, Michelle's a real go getter." Yeah. They might think that for a little while, but people's intent has a smell, and the leadership will start to smell it eventually. Long term, I know it's I know it can be a little bit of a pain, but long term. these people reveal themselves for who they are and what they're doing. So don't get wrapped around the axle of being the one that has to be confrontational with Michelle because that's not going to help you. It's not going to help her take stuff off her plate. It's not going to help her give up some of that ownership. It's not going to help her stop um, uh, making solutions for problems that don't exist. What's going to help the most in all those things is you having a good relationship with her. And I know that's counterintuitive, but I promise it's the truth. Interesting. Good luck with Michelle. Yep. Next question. My 13-year-old son and I are going to start jujitsu training in a, nearby, in a nearby town. After listening to your thoughts on this, I felt that it was one thing other than my faith that I could leave my kids. Affirmative. That would be great, of great value. We are rural. We are rural farm and livestock people. So everything we do usually requires a drive of some kind. We have to travel 60 miles one way to get there. Oof. I have a seven-year-old daughter who's in gymnastics, but has decided not to go into competition this year. I really want her to learn jujitsu as well, not only for the confidence, but for her own protection throughout her life. My question is. When is she ready? Is this too young? Is there marks of maturity or readiness I need to see in her? Is there a website for the craft that you would recommend? The cost the cost of something will we will have to deal with, but I feel it's a cost worth paying. Should I be looking for a private lesson? Awesome. Um very cool. You're in a great spot. Um 60 miles is a long way to travel. I'm hoping that since you're in South Dakota, you've got some, I don't know what the speed limits are there, but I know we got some big open roads and hopefully that you're going 70 or 80 miles an hour and it's a 40 minute drive or a 35 minute drive instead of a, well, I guess it wouldn't be a 35 minute, maybe it's a 40, 45 minute drive. Um, because 60 miles is a long way to go, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's two, two hours of transit, you know, and that's rough. Um, so for that, I would say let's get some mats at your house. Mats are real cheap. Mats are relatively cheap right now compared to what they used to be. You can get some Swain mats. Um, they fold up. They fit in your. They roll up. They're light. You can put them anywhere, and you get those at home. And that way, you don't have to do this sixty or one hundred twenty mile round trip multiple times a week. We do want to do that live training. We do want to do that. We do want to get there. We do want to do that live training. But it's a lot easier and very beneficial for life and for jujitsu to say, you know what, we're going to go in there on Saturday when we got an easier day. And if you're in on a farm, I know there's not such, such not much of such a thing as an easy day. But whatever day is a little bit easier, whatever day you got to go into town because you got to get whatever gear or, or supplies, that's the day maybe two days a week, you're going to an actual physical location. The rest of the time, you got your 13-year-old kid. Hopefully you're even remotely similar in size. I know when my son, who's a big kid, when he was like 10 or 11, I could start to kind of train with him and definitely learn moves and teach moves and all that. So so I would say that's a, a good plan. Um, 
Any anything on that, Echo? Uh, I, I know that that's well. I like the online option yep. for that. Like, throughout did, did the I say week. that? Uh, maybe, but I didn't catch it. Yeah, I, I should have said the mats are for you and your son and your daughter to review what you learned in the live class, but also to explore a variety of online training, whether it's just YouTube, which you can get a metric ton of good information for your basic jujitsu. You you could probably just get all free on YouTube for at least a year before we need to go out and spend money. Now, could it be a little bit more efficient to go out and spend some money on one of the more well-known online training academies? Sure. Yeah. That could make it a little bit more efficient. So you could consider that as well. Yeah, so it's like a situation where you're you're essentially online training if you have jujitsu mats or even actually in your living room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you want that beat. I mean it depends on the living room, obviously. But yeah, you're so you're doing the online courses. The YouTube one, it's true. You're right about YouTube. You can get all that you want, but Brad, you gotta search. Yeah. It's not organized. So it's yeah. like I personally think it's way more efficient to get a course, like okay. an actual beginner course from a reputable one, because right. there's a billion of those out yeah. there as well. But um, I think, and then, yeah, go like once a week or something mm-hmm. down to the real training yeah. class, other people. And once a week actually is is very significant if you're doing If you're doing the other it. stuff, it's gonna, it's, you, this is a good course of action. Yes. It's a very good course of action. 60 miles, brutal. Yeah. But yeah. we're spoiled, I think. Yeah, we are spoiled in San Diego. Now, the second part of your question is about your seven-year-old daughter who's in gymnastics. Um, cool, is she ready? She's ready right now. Is she too young? Nope, she's good to go. Marks of maturity, if she studied gymnastics and trained at all, she's totally mature and ready enough. Uh, Website for the craft that I would recommend. There's a ton of them. You got Gracie Academy online. You've got University. You, Gracie University online. You got Marcelo Garcia MG online. You got Keenan Cornelius online. What's his called? Jiu-Jitsu X. Jiu-Jitsu X. You uh, Gordon Ryan makes. I mean, I, I I I hate to even name any because there's so many good ones and um, uh, they're all. Uh, Andre Galvao has an online academy. Who, who yeah. else? I mean, who else has these preeminent ones? There's so many of them, and I. Yeah. Feel horrible that I'm naming names without naming every single one of them. Yeah, and I would say if you're like both just starting, like just starting, mm-hmm. you want to find one because there's a different. Like, there's some that are like, hey, I have like this course and this course, kind of like almost like I don't know if you're, you know, um, about master class. It's like you can just sort of take this block of training, mm-hmm. you know. So some jujitsu online courses are like that where it's like oh master your half guard or yeah, master yeah. your mount attacks you know or yeah, like you Grace, need like fundamentals of Brazilian yeah, yeah like a, essentially a curriculum that's why right, Gracie right. University is one that I know does this I'm mm-hmm. sure there's other ones that do yep. this for sure but this is the one that I do know that if you're a beginner you start here and you learn this in this order yep. and you'll be efficient with your learning and stuff rather than just kind of in a way mm-hmm. if you're just beginning yeah. in a way you're poking around in the dark it's of stuff you know um, which again beneficial but not not quite as beneficial as something that's in order yeah. like that I like it um, the cost for the online training programs is varies but the last thing I would say, because you talked about the cost of you know getting the kids into the training program, the online you're going to be obviously be able to share through the family. But for the for the actual academy that you're going to go to, there's a good chance that if you go in there and say, "Hey, what's going on? It's me. It's my two kids. I really want to train. We live 60 miles away. We're going to be coming in once a week. 
can you can we work out some kind of a deal that I'm not paying you know a hundred dollars per person how about a hundred dollars for my family and you know please that would be very helpful for me most jiu-jitsu instructors and jiu-jitsu academies they understand that and they will help and make a deal with you you know if you say hey I've got you know me and my two brothers and we're gonna be training freaking nine times a day and yeah. and, and can you give me a deal they still might give you a deal but it's not gonna be as comprehensive a deal as hey listen we're gonna be here once maybe twice a week it's it's a seven-year-old girl it's a 13 year old boy and it's me and we we really want to learn this craft most jujitsu instructors are gonna want to help you get in the game and give you some kind of a price break that's my opinion yeah fully there's a difference between that and the quote not my term but jujitsu bum so you know the you know jujitsu bum the same as a surf bum mm-hmm. the same as, as a ski bum or something like that it's an expression but like a jujitsu person who doesn't necessarily want to like pay they just want to do jujitsu their whole life oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so oh, they'll be like eh, you know yeah they don't want to pay mm-hmm. because they don't really have that much money they just because instead of Working. You know, pursuing a career or something like that. They just want to do jujitsu all the time. Which, hey, I get it, man. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's yeah. the life. Pretty young. So they'll be like, oh, you know, like I, I wanted to train jujitsu. I have goals of like being top level competitor. Like I don't have much money. Can I train here for free? When and I think that became a thing because back in the day you could do that, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, okay, just help me clean up. Yeah, you know, you wipe the mats. But then now when everyone does that, you're like, bro, yeah. I don't have any work for you. But <laughs> you just so basically you just want to train for yeah. free. You don't want to yeah. pay. Okay, all right. So it starts to make less sense. So don't yep. do that kind of stuff. But if you're a family with le- a legitimate scenario yeah, going yeah. on right here, that a makes sense. Scenario. It does. Yeah. For Check. Sure. All right. That's it. That's all we got for this time. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for supporting us here. The cause on the underground. Hey, jockofuel.com, originusa.com, jockostore.com, echelonfront.com. You know the drill. You know the deal. We're here to support all those things. Help us do what we're doing and most of all thank you for helping us do this underground thing thank you we appreciate it on the interwebs echoes at echo charles i'm at jocko willink thank you for joining us in this domain of freedom known only as the underground where we will remain free to do what we want thanks to your support appreciate it until next time this is echo and jocko out.